Good morning. Welcome here. Would you all like to stand for the first song? Uh, so we're going to sing the chorus, Heaven is a Wonderful Place. And we'll sing it through, and then the men have their own part. We'll, we'll sing the ladies' part first, and then I'll sing the men's part, and then we'll do them both together as a round song a couple of times. So. Somebody say do it again. Having an encore already. <laughs> oh. Okay. Heaven is a wonderful place. seated. So for the uh, call to worship, it's uh, Psalm 133, and I'll just read that out of the New International Version. <clears throat> How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. <clears throat> I just thought I would talk a little bit this morning, uh, not for very long. <laughs> so Tammy asked me to sing or to do uh, worship quite a while ago, and I was just saying to David this morning, I came up with a lot of reasons to say no. And uh, I had a conversation with a wise person person. I won't say who it is. But that person told me that uh, it wasn't up to me uh, to, it wasn't, wasn't what I was going to do, it was it, what, what I could do with, with the gift that I had been given, to put it out there and it would uh, let it work and see what God could do with it, basically. And uh, I appreciate that and that's the reason I said yes. So. I hope that uh, this morning that you'll, the songs will speak to you and that, uh, yeah, you'll just get a blessing out of it. So, so 
So the second song, I picked this. This is a song when I was pretty little. I uh, can remember listening to this on, uh, on the old style record player my parents had. I don't know who sang it or what record it was, but uh, it's a song that stuck with me. And I, and I looked, and actually somebody had re-recorded it not, lo not too long ago. So uh, hopefully you, uh, if you know it, feel free to sing along. song is uh, Grace Greater Than All Our Sin. Um, if you want to turn to it in your hymn books, it's song number 201. Do I get to pull this down? Sure. Would you, if you want to, you could stand for this song. <clears throat> Heaven the blood of 
Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, we're going to just do a couple of songs for you. Just uh, feel free to listen. And uh, yeah. So this is uh, Amazing Grace. Uh, my chains are gone. I've been set free. are gone. 
next song is How Beautiful Heaven Must Be. When I picked the song, I was thinking of how many, all of us have lost loved ones, and I think this is our hope that they are experiencing this, how, how beautiful heaven is. Yeah. Beautiful heaven 
the children playing without sadness. Oh, the women will dance without fear. The men will walk tall with honor. Only light, peace, and love will be. For the scripture today, um, if you want to turn to it, it's Acts 2, 42 to 47. The fellowship of the believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We'll just pray for the offering this morning. Dear God, we thank you for this uh, beautiful, sunshiny day and pray that you will uh, just bless the offering and the people that give it today and, and uh, that it will be used to your honor and glory. pray this in your name. Amen. Good morning. Let's bow to dismiss the little ones to Children's Church. Dear God, we thank you for all the children of our congregation. We pray as they go now to Children's Church, it'll be a wonderful time of growing closer to each other and to you. We pray for the teachers as well. Give them the words and the patience and the perseverance, and also that they know they are doing your work. And we pray also a blessing on the service today. That we pray. Amen. All right, little ones, Children's Church, down, hall, that way. Oh, that's a wonderful sound. All right, if you have your bulletins on you, now is the time to pull them out. There is a couple things on there. The first, care home service today, 3 p.m. I hope to see you there. Me and Elvira are going to just be rocking it. It'll be a great time. So, care home service today, 3 p.m. It's always a great time. I hope you can make it out. 
Uh, Wednesday, 2 p.m., prayer meeting at the church. Those have been going wonderfully. I hope you can make it out for that as well. Girls Bible study, 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. at Bethany's. And then next Sunday, next Sunday there is a bunch of things that uh, are going on. Sunday school worship service. There is a potluck following the service as well, a potluck. Names through A through M are in charge of cleanup. So if your names are between A through M, which... I think mine is. It is. Yes. So you can come join me for that. It'll be a good time. So potluck next Sunday. And then as far as the choral music in the church, I'm actually going to hand the announcement for that one off to David. Next Sunday, 7 p.m., we'll be singing together again. And as Russell has put in the email, it's going to be a busy day. So I'm going to say... Come to church in the morning, stay for the potluck, and then make sure you have a nap in the afternoon so you can come back and sing with us. And when I say us, I'm talking about my friend Bruce Moore and his wife Deborah Jean. They're coming from Winnipeg, and uh, he's going to be playing the guitar and singing along with me, as well as um, he's created kind of orchestral tracks for some of the hymns, so that's kind of special. And... Um, he and I will perform a song as well, so it'll be a little bit like what Mark was doing here, leading us as well as uh, singing for us. So I invite you to come out next Sunday night. And I am excited for it. Hope you are too. And the chances of it being snowed out this time are significantly lower than last time. So look forward to next week. It's going to be a great day. All right, then skipping down, congregational meeting. And that one I'm going to hand off to Jeff to talk about. I'd like you to take your phone or your small black book, as the case may be. Open it up. Here's your calendar app. Flip forward to the month of May. May the 9th, Tuesday, May the 9th, we will have our spring congregational meeting. Uh, if you have either not been in the habit of attending our church's uh, meetings of the congregation, or if you used to and you've fallen away from that habit, uh, number one, you needn't be a member of the congregation to attend. You can, you can come if you're a regular participant of our congregation, be involved in the discussion. Uh, number two, at our, at, the, at our spring meeting, there's no need to go through the congregational budget line by line because we did that already in January. And there's also the nominating committee and the board is busy shoulder tapping for positions. And so you needn't fear a cold call nomination from the, from the floor. That work is being done in advance. Uh, so please, if you're a regular member or if you're a member or a regular participant in our congregation, please come 7.30 on Tuesday, May the 9th. And we will talk about the, the business of the church and how we go about uh, updating the just what, what we are involved with within our congregation and within the community and the possibilities for the future. Tuesday, May the 9th, 7.30 in the evening. And as for additional announcements. Okay, this year um, I and three young women will be going to Abundant Springs, which is the EMC's youth conference or weekend in Briarcrest. So the cost per person is over $200. And so we would love to either wash your windows or help with yard cleanup. Um, and then you could 
give a donation if you would like, no pressure. So if you have windows or yards that you need some help with um, cleaning up, I've already talked to a couple people, but feel free to get in contact with me and over the next couple weeks, we'll be helping you and also accepting any donations that you would like to give us. Thanks. And it was in exactly that moment I realized I haven't washed my windows in two years. Consider yourself contacted. Also, if you do some light flooring work, then that would also be... <laughs> All right. Any other announcements? All right, then let's move on to prayer items. Betty Quiring and her family, uh, she has been taken off of life-sustaining measures, but at the same time, there was an email that went around uh, yesterday uh, Apparently, she has been doing a little bit better, like eating pureed food and uh, a little bit more talkative, so that's, that's a great thing. We want to continue to pray for healing as well as just that God's will is done. She has lived an amazing life. She has been a wonderful role model for all of us. We want to keep praying for Betty, for her family, friends during this time. Uh, Margaret Schultz, I went to go see her on Thursday. She is still in transitional care in St. Claude. And there are two things I want to say there. The first is she is quite lonely. So if you find yourself near St. Claude, then go visit her. She would love to see you. But also, I came away a little inspired. As in, Margaret is somebody that is just spending all of the time in prayer while she is in there, and uh, she is praying for us, the congregation for each of us also. And take that to heart. That is something that can't be understated. So we wanna pray for Margaret Schultz during this time. All right, then let's go into time of prayer. Dear God, we come before you this morning in, in praise. We come before you this morning in praise. Uh, following this past week, sun shining brightly. In my case, children even sleeping mostly through the night, so that is a wonderful item of praise right there. And also for the wind up for willing helpers. God, we thank you for all that you have done through them throughout the life there. God, you have built your kingdom in our church probably more through that than anything else. And so, God, we, we thank you for willing helpers. And we look forward now to seeing what comes next. We look forward to seeing how you will continue to work through the women of our church and the people in our congregation and just, God, we thank you and look forward to seeing what you will do. And God, we also want to say thank you this morning for Margaret. We want to say thank you this morning for how she spends that time in prayer for us. And we pray that we will feel ourselves lifted up because of it. We pray that we will feel ourselves empowered because of it. We pray that we will see the results of you at work, and we know that we will, and Lord, we say thank you for our sister. 
But at the same time, Lord, we know just how lonely it can be, especially when you're a bit farther away than you would like to be. And so, God, we pray that you will comfort her. God, we pray you will be her rock and continue to be her rock. God, we pray that you will also send everyone that needs to go visit her out that way as well. Lord, we thank you for the people that work in that hospital, though. My brief period of time, three people, a wonderful conversation together with her. And God, I thank you for that. But Lord, we continue to pray for our sister Margaret during this time. And God, we also want to bring Betty before you as well. We thank you that there has been this upturn. We thank you that she is eating a little bit, talking a little bit. And we pray that that healing will continue. And we pray for the family. Lord, we pray you continue to be their rock and support. We pray that you continue to be that for Betty as well. And Lord, when the time does come for her to be called home, Lord, we pray that the memories will flow. Lord, we pray that how she has been a wonderful role model to each of us will come quickly to our minds and to our hearts as well. Lord, we bring Betty and her family and her friends before you at this time. And God, we also want to bring the care home service before you this afternoon. We pray that it'll be a wonderful and uplifting time. All of these things are God we put before you. All of these things we place at your feet. Pray this in your name. Amen. All right. So, this is the first time I'm preaching following Easter, and I was trying to come up with what it is that we would talk about, and I figured now would be an interesting time to just spend two short weeks looking at the early church. And when I say early, I mean like the early, early church. Like this is before Paul is even a thing. This is immediately following Pentecost. These are the people that knew Jesus either firsthand or just one degree removed. And so that's what we're going to be doing this week and next week. Uh, This week we're going to be looking a little bit at how they lived. And next week... We are going to be talking a little bit of the results of living in that way. And so, if you have your Bibles on you, open them up. Acts 2, verses 42 to 47. Acts 2, verses 42 to 47. Immediately before... Our passage begins is a very famous passage that we're going to talk more about in a couple weeks' time. It's, it's Pentecost, when the Spirit came down upon the apostles. They spoke in tongues, and then after somebody accuses Peter of being drunk for talking in that way, he delivers a sermon that is moving, that is powerful, that is the reason that Peter is the one, the rock that the church is built on. 
And that sermon, again, we're not going to talk about too much, but essentially, my brothers and sisters, we are in the final days that can be seen by the fact that the power of the Holy Spirit is on us now. The power of the Holy Spirit is in us, all of God's people, all of the believers. And so now is the time to follow the teachings. Now is the time to repent and be baptized, Peter says, just like John said, just like Jesus said. But now there's a twist. Repent and be baptized because you can know that your sins are forgiven in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, in light of the resurrection, we can know that next part. And preaching that message, we are told that 3,000 in all came. And that is when the church began in earnest. That is when the church began in earnest. For all the time that Jesus was walking across the countryside, there was hundreds, there was possibly even thousands, but this is more. Now the explosion comes. And so that is what happens immediately before our passage today, 3,000 new believers from all across the known world, for that was everybody that was in Jerusalem at the time. The rich, the poor, these are people that came, people that saw who our Lord was. And we read that this is how they lived in response. They joined with the other believers and devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching right there in the beginning of 42. We know what that teaching is. Repent, be baptized. It's the things that all the apostles learned at the foot of Jesus. Now they are coming forth. Now they are being relayed on. They lived in fellowship with one another. Fellowship here. I think when we hear that word, we often kind of go to the, these are the deep conversations. This is just like they get into the mitt and gritty of it. Yes, we see that in here, but also they just lived together. They had the good times together. They had the light times together. They had those times that make you just see why it is that the world is such that our Lord wants to save it in the first place. Those times that are just, they bring you hope. They lived by sharing the Lord's Supper together. They lived in communion with one another. And that's where we really see the deepest thing. When we think of communion, we just think often of a little bit of wine, a little bit of bread, that kind of understanding. It's just something that you do and you push it to the side, but think about what it means to live in communion with someone. There's a reason that Paul later on talks about how to live in communion. That means if you have anything that is wrong between you and your brothers, then you set it right then and you set it right there. To live in communion with somebody means that you are living in such a way that you do that, in such a way that you are ready to, at the drop of a hat, if there is something wrong, set it right. There is accountability in that. There is deeper life 
in that. And this is how they lived. And they also lived in prayer as well. They are the first of the church. They are the ones that are the most on fire that the church has ever been. They are the ones that have either seen Jesus or seen directly what comes from the apostles, and they are on fire, so of course, they are in prayer. Because how can you be on fire for our Lord and not talk to him? This is how the early church lived. And there's something wonderful about that. There's something wonderful that this is the level of depth they go into. I think often how we think of our faith is that the Holy Spirit moves through us to which we then go and move and live in a certain way. And that, that's true. Like Jesus in us inspires us to go out and to live following him. But at the same time, the other way around is also true. How they lived once they received the Holy Spirit, once they lived that they accepted Jesus as their Savior, as they immediately lived in a way that then grew their relationship with Jesus, that grew their relationship with the rest of the church, that grew their relationship with God. And so you end up with this self-feeding cycle. The Lord pushes us to follow him, to which when we follow him, we are more enamored with our Lord and our faith grows in turn. And that is how the early church lived. And because of that, we see this deep sense of awe came over all of them at just the miraculous signs and wonders. And depending upon what passage, like which translation you're reading there, the word miraculous is actually implied there. It's more they lived in awe of the signs and wonders that the apostles performed. I think that's a wonderful way of putting it because here, when we think the word miraculous, what we often think about is just the things we can't explain, the speaking in tongues, the faith healings, all of these things. But at the same time, while those are wonderful things to see, it's the other things that are just as miraculous, right? Like the other things, we all know people that have come before the Lord and just have changed everything about themselves as a response, have given up those burrs that are in their souls, those thorns in the flesh that they could never give up before, but at the feet of God, they have able to. And we know that that is in part what is going on here, what is being talked here for just in a little bit longer. They talked about how they sold all of their possessions and they shared the proceeds with those that were in need. We've come across that before when Jesus was talking to the rich man in the Gospels, and he's like, Lord, how can I come to heaven? No, that's not how his word. You, you know the passage, though. What must I do to get to heaven? To which Jesus said, then sell all that you have and follow me. To which the rich man walks away, and he's just absolutely just saddened by that because he has a lot and Jesus does that wonderful quip where it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get into heaven but here when we look at the lives of the early church so on fire for the Lord then I can't help but think that there's a lot of very thin camels because that is how they lived that is the power of God 
to realize that all that we have is nothing more than a tool to show the love of God to build the kingdom. Often, we're afraid that our money can become masters of us, but at the same time, to understand it, to use it, to build the kingdom. That is what we see here. And the believers lived together commonly. They were on the same page. Not that they were all the same people, but they were just. And they worshiped together at the temple each day. We read in verse 46, that might seem odd to us, but this is before Judaism and Christianity are different things. So where else would you worship but at the house of God? They shared meals of joy and great generosity. And each day the Lord added to their number of those who were saved because how can that be your life without that happening in turn? This is the life of the early church. This is the life of the church that knew Jesus firsthand. This is the life of the church when it has been the most on fire for God. And it was marked by living in a way that grew that fire. It was marked by living in that repentance, living in that baptism. It was marked by living and reveling in the teachings of the apostles. It was marked by living in community, living in communion, living in prayer, and living with radical love for the world around them. The word of the Lord. I don't know about you. When I read about the early church, when they were in this way, what's the right way of putting that? What's the, the, the way of putting it where you feel like you kind of come up short, right? You feel like you kind of can't compare fully. That's kind of how I often feel when I read about the, the early church. That level of just intensity. Do I want to live in that same repentance that they lived in, that radical repentance? Do I want to live in that same expression of their baptism? Do I want to live just in that teaching that like, that's what they are about? Do I want to live in the joy with my brothers and sisters? Do I want to live in the depths of the conversation of what that can mean? Do I want to live in communion and prayer and giving away all that I have for the sake of others? Do I want to live in that way? And I mean, kind of, yeah. Do I live in that way? Kind of, yeah. But then we get to the passages on 
and they lived in awe of the miraculous, of the signs and the wonders of all that God was doing. Do I want to witness that with everything I am? Do I want to live and witness just boundless coming back to the Lord with everything I am? Do I live in such a way as to contribute to that myself? I'm kind of, yeah. When I read this passage, it, it reminds me of a story. Uh, actually happened. It's the first time my, my family ever went to Delta Beach, and it would have been two years ago, something like that. Noel would have been about three, and I know that because this was right after she got into, who's here has seen the movie Moana? It's a good movie. She really got into that movie there for a little bit, and that's a bad movie for your child to get into right before you go to the beach. And the reason for that is because in that movie, then the ocean itself is a character and the little girl makes friends with the ocean to the point where she falls in at one point and the ocean just kind of yeets her back onto the, to the ship and she's all okay. And that instills in children the feeling that let's just book it as far as we possibly can right into the middle of the waters and we'll be fine. Don't recommend. Well, thankfully, it was at Delta Beach, though, so that's like, you know, a couple miles out before it's actually going to be a problem. And finally, she got tired of the waves hitting her in the face. We picked her up, hauled her back. But that, it reminds me a little bit of that day, because we were there with my, my sister and my brother-in-law and her kids, and immediately after that, then we were all getting a bit hungry, so we decided that we were going to go to a place that we all enjoyed. We're Manitobans, so the fact that we all enjoyed it means obviously we're going to Chicken Chap. And we got there, we sat in the corner booth in the back at the Portage one, and waitress takes our order, and her daughter, who is about the same age as Noel, orders that little personal pizza. And after a couple minutes, it comes out of the... Uh, out of the oven, and for any of you whose kids have ever had that or ordered a pizza from Chicken Chef yourself, you know that means it's just like five degrees less than the surface on the sun. And she plops it right down, right in front of this three-year-old. And so exactly what you think would happen is what happens. Just little arm shoots out, grabs a handful of pizza, not a piece, a handful, and just shoves it in her mouth. And immediately, she starts just shaking, because obviously she does. And tears are starting to come down her face. My sister's hand shoots out in front of her mouth, spit it out. And the little girl is just, no! She just holds on to it and then finally eats it. And I hope it was a delicious piece, because that was the only thing she ate that day. I think that actually talking to my sister after that, that might have been the only piece that she ate for the next couple days. <laughs> so, this passage reminds me a little bit of that. It's not a perfect metaphor, but it reminds me of that because, like, we all, we all kind of know 
what we need to do to just experience and to see our Lord at work. We all kind of know what it takes to kind of see the church and all that it is grow, but at the same time, like we hold on to that burning pizza in our mouth with all that we are, right? Like we all want to see this happen, but at the same time, we don't want to give up the reasons that we aren't living in the same way. Even though it, it, it's hurting, even though we know the relief that will come, even though we know the wonder that will come, we just, we just want to hold on to the burning pizza a little bit longer. I'm someone who I think when you read the Bible, the right way to read it is not that as Christians we need to become ultra-religious people that just spend all of our life just paying attention to the minutest part of what our faith is and just driving everyone crazy. You don't need to read much of the book of Ecclesiastes to kind of get that across. The world is what God has made, and so we need to enjoy it from time to time. We need to live so that we remember why it is that God loves us, loves his creation as much as he does, that he would send his own son. We need to live in such a way that we can remember why it is that the world around us is remarkable why it's worth our time working with our Lord to build his kingdom. But that has to be lived in balance, right? Like that has to be lived in balance with also living with the same kind of fire that the early church did. Living with the same kind of just radical devotion. Living in this way that will help us to see what it is that the Lord is already doing. Do we live in that same repentance as the early Christians did? And that's an important thing. Do we live that life of repentance, that life of acknowledging the sins that are in our own lives, the things that separate us from God, the things that separate us from one another, the things that tear down the world around us. Do we live in a way that acknowledges those things and then places them at the feet of Jesus to be washed away so that we can then live in a way that overcomes? There's a reason that John began his ministry with that command. There's a reason that Jesus began his ministry with that command. There's a reason that every revival that has ever happened began with repentance. Because until you give up the sin that keeps you from our Lord, that tears down the people around you, that destroys the world that we live in, until you give that up, then how would you ever expect your heart to be opened for the Lord that stands 
in opposition to that? Do we live in that same level of repentance? If we don't, then why would we expect to see the work that God is doing all around us? Our heads are turned firmly in a different direction altogether. Do we live according to our baptisms? And this goes for everyone, not just the people that are baptized. In our baptism, we announce to the world that we are followers of Christ. We announce to the world that we are his anointed, that we announce to the world that this is how we will be living going forward as people that are washed clean. As people that are for what Jesus is for, do we live in that way? If we don't, I don't know, why, why would we expect that the things that Jesus is for would be built in our lives if we don't live like that? Do we live in the same reveling in the teachings of the apostles? How much time do we actually spend in our Bibles? Has it been a day? Has it been a week? Has it been a month, a year? When's the last time you opened your Bibles instead of just reading a little bit to get it over for the day, you actually went deep with it. And not just deep as in whatever your devotional book tells you is deep for that week, but actually just went deep yourself. Why would you expect to be able to see who God is, to learn who God is, if you don't spend that time in the book that teaches you who God is? Do you spend time in fellowship with fellow believers, in communion with them? And there I mean both senses of that. I mean the, the living life, the enjoying things, the just those conversations and those times spent that just put a smile on your face, but also the deeper, the accountability, the, do you live in that way? If you don't, then why would you expect to see the signs and wonders of God if you're not talking to the other people that are also seeing signs and wonders of God in their own lives? Do you live in prayer? Has it been a day? Has it been a week, a year? How many other relationships in your life grow without talking to one another? Why would you expect this one to be any different? And do you radically love the neighbors that live around us to the point that you would sacrifice of yourself, of your possessions, because they need to see that love. They need to 
encounter the Lord through you. If you don't show that same level of love to the people around us that God showed to us, then why would you expect the people around us to think that Christianity is a good thing? In our passage today, we see the early church We see it when it was the most on fire. We see it one degree away from the Lord sitting at the feet of the apostles. And we see that there is this this mutual thing where people live in this way because the Spirit and God is pushing them forward. And then they live in a way that then builds that relationship and on and on. And it's amazing. what comes because of it. Do we live in that way? Do we live in that way? I've been your pastor now for near six years, and I have seen so much to give me so much hope. I've seen the Lord work through each of you in different ways. I have seen the kingdom built through what you are doing. There is so much joy and so much wonder and the signs and the wonders, they are there. But as we read this passage today, I don't know, just imagine what what could be. Amen. The last song is uh, hymn number 213, if you want to look in your hymn books and If you're able and you feel like you'd like to stand, go ahead.
that today, 3 o'clock at the care home is our service. I hope you can make it out. And for our benediction, we turn to the book of Numbers. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Go now and serve our wonderful God. Let's sing uh, the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and God bless you, you're dismissed.